welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Welcome again to the Defender Podcast. This is Rick Morton. Today is October 18th, 2023. And um, and I have a really, really fun uh, podcast on the way today. And so we're going to be talking today about Harbor Families. Um, Harbor Families is a program and an offering of Lifeline that is, that is really intended to help uh, families that are um, that are not engaged in the child welfare system. And so these are families that that for some reason have have you know some issue that um that relief and hosting can help with. And so we're going to unpack that. We're going to talk about what that is. We're going to talk about why that is. We're going to talk about why the church is really appropriate to be engaged in that work. Um, and I'm going to be joined by a couple of folks that are part of our team that are um, that are engaged in the front lines of this. And so Nancy Osborne and Brenda Lyson are going to be part of this conversation today. And we're going to have a great time. Um, and I can't wait to to dig into this. And and so before we get there, um, we're going to remember we remember that just in a couple of weeks, Orphan Sunday is is coming. And so um, on the first Sunday of November, churches all around the world set aside uh, a Sunday to to um, raise awareness for the needs of orphans worldwide. Lifeline partners with churches with information on the needs of orphans, as well as showing how people can get involved to meet those needs. Um, although churches can really choose any Sunday uh, through the year to celebrate Orphan Sunday, there is a designated day. And this year, Orphan Sunday is on November the 12th. So I just learned something. I thought it was in the first week of November. Apparently, it's in the second. Um, we've created, nevertheless, a resource page to help you that has free videos, slides, handouts, prayer cards, sermon samples, small group guides. We've put a little bit of everything there to be able to help your church um, to be able to do a proper Orphan Sunday and uh, and and to uh, to really be able to emphasize the needs of vulnerable children and vulnerable families around the world. And so uh, if you want to partner with us to speak up for the voiceless, you can find more information uh or you can even request a lifeline speaker to come to your church, which we would love. Uh, and all three of the people that are on this podcast are actually folks who would love to come to your church and to talk about these things. And so shameless plug. Uh, but you can find all that information at lifelinechild.org backslash orphan dash Sunday. And so the dash is back. We're we're so glad we had a hiatus of the dash for a little while, but we have dashes back in the URL. So we feel like it's home. Lifelinechild.org backslash Orphan Sunday to find out more information or uh, to find out how you might connect with us to bring a Lifeline speaker to your church. Or you can see uh, the show notes for more information. And so uh, so as we we turn our attention to talking about um, Harbor families, uh, I'm going to I'm going to. First, um, Nancy, I'm I'm going to kind of 
talk with you for a second and and I'd love for you to then be able to introduce Brent and a little bit of Harbor families and and how you know how we're doing this uh, as part of our team but maybe um, Nancy you've been on the podcast before I, I don't think we need to do um, a, a deep introduction but um, but Nancy leads uh, the the more clinical things that we do in engaging the church in places where where there's a need for you know for us to engage as a ministry in in those things and one of those things is harbor families is the the hosting program that we have and so i'm doing a really great job of creating word salad here around the idea of hosting and temporary care for kids but you're going to do an amazing job of sorting all that out and helping us to understand a little bit about Harbor families and why we do it and how the church can be engaged. Um, and so why don't you do that? And then then you and Brent kind of talk a little bit about about Harbor families and how that how that's grown over the last several years. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you just for the opportunity, because this is a ministry that just is near and dear to our hearts and very much aligns with Lifeline's mission. So when we think about even our own families, when we experience a hardship, when we may be going through a crisis, and because of that, we would need someone to temporarily take care of our children. Who are we gonna turn to? We're typically gonna turn to our, our friends, maybe our extended family, even possibly our neighbors. And there are certainly families in our communities right here, right now, who don't have that opportunity. They do not have those informal supports in place. They may only be able to turn to formal supports like government programs or other means with which to try and support their families. And most of the times those are lacking or are not appropriate for really what could help solve the crisis. So isn't isn't it an incredible thing to engage our local church to step in to be those supports for these families? To say you're in the middle of something and we want to step in and offer something very tangible, like temporarily taking care of your child or your children to get you through this crisis. And sometimes that's a few days, sometimes that's way longer. It certainly is case by case. Um, and our volunteers, these are all volunteers that have stepped into this space, who have said, yes, we want to be a part of this solution, are able to provide this very tangible support to our families to wrap around them, to possibly get them engaged within that local church community so that not only with this crisis, but even in the future, that that's going to be become part of their support system. And in doing so, those families do not experience things like involvement with child protective services or other services that might ultimately become involved without some kind of intervention or support. So that's truly the heart and soul of this ministry. And Lifeline has, like, like I mentioned before, this is at the very heart of Lifeline's mission to equip the body of Christ, to manifest the gospel to the vulnerable. I mean, it's, it's right there in, in that mission statement. And as a ministry, we had an opportunity specifically in the Sioux Falls, South Dakota, of all places, community, a place that I've, over the last two years, have become to 
it's become very near and dear to my heart. Um, I can admit before this, not knowing a whole lot about Sioux Falls or about South Dakota, and now um, consider it just one of the most incredible communities that I've ever interacted with. And we've seen, we've seen this community respond. Groups of churches work to, working together, um, churches across denominational lines, churches who are saying, yes, this is the kind of ministry and the kind of way for us to support families in our community to provide real solutions and to help support them and wrap around them for them to grow in their skill sets, in their support systems, et cetera. And earlier this year, we were also joined by Brent Eliason, who hails from this part of the country and understands this geography and this community really well. He came on board as our program manager specifically for the state of South Dakota. And we've, again, we're, we're there in Sioux Falls, but have plans for expansion soon, soon and very soon. And I'll let Brent talk a little more as we, as we continue about the specifics of, of different ways that volunteers can be engaged. But it's just amazing to see the Lord and his timing and the way that he's blessing this ministry. And what's kind of exciting for me, I'll just jump in. You mentioned kind of how it's grown over the last several years. And I've, I've only been a part of this since June of this year. Um, but since uh, 2022, this Harbor Families program has been able to work with over about 100 individuals uh, through hostings, and that's that's partnering with parents uh, and hosting their kids. Uh, and so what's what's really incredible about this is when I came on in June, uh, we kind of took a pause in hosting as Katie Bewalda. I'm going to mention Katie a lot today. She's a social worker that works with me and Harbor Families, and she is, I just describe her, she's like gold to all this, like she's incredible. Um, and how her interaction with families. But since we came on board, we took a little pause in hostings. But after 4th of July, we we kind of did a soft launch. There was no grand marketing plan or big announcement of any kind that Harbor Families is we're, we're open for business again. But it's been incredible, the response. Um, the calls we're receiving each week uh, from child care providers, uh, daycares in town, they hearing that their families are having some struggles. So they reach out on behalf of people, human trafficking ministries in, in Sioux Falls, Children's Home Society, hospitals, the South Dakota Department of Social Services, and uh, so many calls coming in, these families in crisis and, and in need of some support system. And so what's been kind of incredible is since we have opened back up for business. We have done about 15 hostings uh, in, for 21 when we've hosted 21 children just in these last the last month and a half. Um, and so it's it's an incredible thing to be a part of this and, and being able to walk alongside these these parents, uh, helping them through whatever the crisis may be, whether that's, you know, a medical issue or homelessness, joblessness, sometimes incarceration or substance uh, issues, uh, needing rehabilitation, things like that. We've been able to support people who they don't have, like Nancy said, they don't have family or friends that 
that are a good place to care for their kids, a safe place for their children. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's an incredible thing. And I'm just thankful to be a part of it. Yeah. I, you know, it, I mean, even as I hear you talk about this, I think about um, like, what would it be like to be in that situation where there's a crisis and, and you don't have a backstop, you don't have, you don't have someone to step in. There's no, you know, there's no family, there's no church family, there's no, and, and yeah, that's a reality for, for so many people. And, um, and, and the church is just kind of ready made to be the community, to be able to step in and do this. And, and so it, it's funny, I was, um, I was in Mississippi last week and had the opportunity to be able to speak to a large number of uh, child welfare workers in Mississippi. So it was uh, Mississippi Department of, of uh, Child Protective Services and a gathering of a bunch of their staff and and was kind of talking about a few things. And I just like mentioned Harbor families in passing in that conversation. And um I had people coming up afterward going child, you know, and these are like, these are caseworkers and supervisors mm -hmm. and people in, in the system in Mississippi. And they're going, Hey, what's that Harbor families thing about? And, and, you know, and it was funny, like I, at one point I um, like, I had a crowd that was about three deep of people kind of crowded around listening to the conversation about Harbor families because they were so intrigued. And, and so the the point I the point I wanted to make before we kind of transition into talking a little bit more about this is is um, you know we we talk about this in terms of keeping kids out of involvement with CPS, keeping parents out of involvement with CPS, and and sometimes we do it like like we're rescuing those families from the jaws of CPS, right? Um, and the truth is that there are a lot of families that CPS workers end up being involved with that they wish they didn't have to. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because because the things that they're really equipped to do and the things that they're that they're really tasked with doing, those families don't need. Um, and and, and mm -hmm. you know, and, and so it was just but it was a huge reminder to me. In in the midst of all this, that um, that the church can play a vital role, we should play a vital role, but also, um, you know, even even folks within the child welfare system understand that there's a place for the church to you know to to fill in and and you know and and play this kind of role and and so nancy maybe unpack a little bit more and and kind of talk a little bit about the sort of the structure and the plan here at lifeline what what role you play what role brent plays how how we engage churches and just kind of how the whole thing works together a little bit okay sure sure and to your to your point earlier and i wish i hadn't the exact percentage but it would be very interesting for us to research how many families become involved in that CPS system truly just because of a lack of resources and not necessarily because of an immediate intervention to protect a child. You know, that's the reason that system exists. And yet it becomes a default system because there really is not in a lot of communities, there's not something like this in existence. 
So absolutely. So within the Harbor Families Ministry, so we have several and almost this entire ministry is supported by volunteers through the local church, which is incredible already. So we have Harbor Family or host families who step up and say we are willing to temporarily care for a child or a group of children in our home for uh, an amount of time. And they certainly can decide on that case by case. But we really, from the very beginning, give them the, the expectation that it really could be anything across that continuum. We also have a volunteer position called a navigator. And that person really steps in to build relationships and make connections to the family who is supporting the children during that hosting, but also to that parent, that parent who is going through that struggle. What are things we can put in place? What are, what are some goals that the, that parent is looking to accomplish that will get them to that place of stabilization, to get them to that place of family preservation, which is such a, a buzzword term right now. And this truly, truly is at the very heart of preserving families. It may not seem like that in the beginning, because we're talking about children being temporarily placed with another family. But the full intention of the ministry is to preserve that family, to get them stable, to, to have them supported and surrounded by the things that they need as a family. And then within each church, we have a ministry captain who really is that point person for the volunteers within their, their particular churches. They help us recruit. They help us support those volunteers because, as you can imagine, this is messy ministry. It is rewarding and it is difficult and all, all of the things, right? All of the above. So I've just had the privilege over the last two, little over two years that I've been at Lifeline to help us really formalize and add structure to this ministry with the intention of, of, of this ministry being replicated in new communities, uh, really across all of the states where Lifeline is in existence. We have learned that having a staff person there, the boots on the ground person is vital to the to the success of, of all of these pieces working together, supporting those volunteers and supporting those families. But truly, we're seeing as this as this grand experiment has continued in Sioux Falls, we're seeing the Lord just help us all package all of that together in, with the intention of this being replicated and growing nationally. So Brent, maybe, um, maybe the place to kind of turn. So we, we've got, that's a great understanding, Nancy. Thank you of, of just what the, you know, what Harbor families is the way the different roles and the ways that, that, that people can be engaged. Um, but maybe kind of pulling back a little bit to the, to the higher level to say, um, you know, Brent, how can a church get, you know, get engaged and get involved with Harbor families. What's the what's the pathway for a church to get started? Well, you know, our state director, Chuck Jesperson, talks about, you know, we there's two levels. So, you know, churches can be donor churches. They can be doer churches <clears throat> or you can bring those two together. You can be both the donor and the doer church. And so one thing that that churches can do, we we just encourage 
when we connect with churches, we ask uh, if we're able to come and, and present Harbor families to the church in, in some way, whether that's just an announcement and then we have a booth in the church or whether uh, someone will come and, and share a message and incorporate in that message uh, the vision and mission of, of Lifeline, Harbor families, how they can partner. And then it can begin with, you know, if, if a church wants to donate to support the ministry in their community, that's a, that's a great way. Uh, if you have families in your church that want to be involved, Nancy kind of gave a brief overview of some of those volunteer positions. If, if a church wants to be an active doer church, if they have somebody in there, that would that would like to kind of be a point person, be that ministry captain and and help us coordinate. We can work with them to to recruit, raise up leaders, train the people in in the different roles, uh, whether it's the navigator role where you're kind of mentoring those participating parents, whether it's the host family where you're just providing that safe place for those kids um, while mom and dad are working through whatever that crisis is. And so it, it all begins with a phone call and a conversation. Um, if if there's a church out there and you want to you want to learn more, you want to hear what we're all about, uh, look us up. I'm, I'm guessing somewhere in the notes of this podcast, there might be our contact information. Uh, and so reach out. We'd love to talk with you, uh, share with you some of the specific stories uh, and ways that we can just begin with a conversation. Giving us a call isn't isn't a big deal. We would love to have the conversation and share some stories uh, and talk about what what would be a good fit uh, for your church and your community. Yeah, that's awesome. I I think um, you know it it all starts with with a conversation and an opportunity to talk and just kind of finding out where the you know where the opportunity and and the right fit is for you know for your church or or yourself. Um, I, the, and we do have a vision, as Nancy said, um, I'm going to try to do this without embarrassing myself to, to, to expand this beyond, uh, South Dakota. <laughs> Did I get that close even Brent? Um, those, those of us here, we say, no, that's, that's more a Minnesota thing. Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> so I, I need, but maybe, I, need men, I, I need mentorship. <laughs> um, but as and, but as and, I hear all of you Southerners say South Dakota, then I find myself like echoing that. I'm parroting that back, so it just magnifies it, and then it just confirms the stereotype. Yep. We were just well, at a meeting the other day, and I found myself saying, "Well, here in South Dakota, darn it, why? No, it's South I, Dakota." I just, like I had to try that. So we're actually recording. We're actually recording today on. National Talk Like a Pirate Day. Brent brought that to the table as we were before we got on air here. And and so I was I was like vacillating between do I try my lousy South Dakota accent or do I try to talk like a pirate? And I felt like I could pull off South Dakota a whole lot better than our maybe. Um, so there you go. That's you um, put them put them together. Do the South Dakota pirate accent. Oh, that would be <laughs> my head might explode. Um, Arg, welcome to South Dakota. <laughs> Maybe that was. <laughs> but hey, the the thing you know, like the thing I I want people to understand in in the midst of all this is um, what makes Harbor families work 
is just in inherently insanely normal people doing very simple things that are within that are within our ability to do and when churches do that and we add up the 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 action and the influence of a lot of people in the church doing a little bit of something um mm-hmm. it it can have an incredible uh, long-term effect on on the health and the vitality of a family and and we're seeing that in happen in real time uh, over and over and over in the lives of people in South Dakota, but also in the lives of churches in mm-hmm. in South Dakota as they as they step out and and do this and and the Lord's given us a vision that uh, this can happen anywhere in the U.S. and there's a need for it to happen anywhere in the U.S. and so I, I love the fact that you know also Brent you you know you point out that. Um, you know, our buddy Chuck Jesperson says, you know, this idea of donor churches and doer churches, um, it it takes resources in a, in order to be able to do a ministry like this. Um, but it takes a fraction of the resources that are involved when the state has to get involved in the lives of a family. That's right. And so, you know, and, and so when we think of it on a grander scale, um, the the investment that we're able to make to help the church be able to do this um, and to do it in a way that we don't have to hide the gospel, that we don't have to be off mission as a church, that, that we have the opportunity to be able to do this in a way that allows us to, to do everything that God's called us to do as the church, but but to do it in a way where we're coming alongside and and serving up against the things that government does, and we're ultimately doing something that's that's treating people in a way that God calls us to do, but it also is very efficient and it and it it's honestly it saves money for the state and for us and for everything else. And and so I say all that as a as a way around to say that there there may be folks that are out there listening that their role in this is God's given them a heart and and an ability to give, and they may be able to give to see Harbor families, you know, launched in another state. Or you may be in a church and you're saying, hey, we love what what Nancy and Brent were just saying. And so we could get involved and our church can do this. Um, and, And as I said, we've already got communities where, judges and CPS workers and schools and people are looking at this and saying, man, if only this existed in my community. Um, and, and so we have opportunities to be able to, you know, spread it forward. But Nancy, if you're if you're kind of standing on the edge of this and and you're sort of hearing this or you've heard about Harbor families and you're kind of going, wow, this sounds really good, but I'm not really sure. What would you say to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if for those who are listening and are maybe in areas where we're not currently uh, don't have as much of a presence, um, I'd say, you know, take that next step, even just in reaching out and having a conversation with us. We also have had the the privilege of connection with a group of other like minded organizations that are all very committed to gospel-centered family preservation. 
a collaborative that really formed within the last year called the Upstream Collaborative. And those organizations exist in several places across the country as well. And we're seeing we're seeing similar ministry happen. And that's been so exciting for us. It doesn't always have to be Lifeline's version called Harbor Families, but there are certainly communities across the country who are engaged in this and who are in the midst of that same type of ministry. And so we're trying to get the word out, right, to where those folks exist in in the different communities. And the needs still, you know, are are in most communities. So the more the more we can collaborate and communicate that and make those connections, I think that that helps us build those connections and helps take those next steps so that it doesn't feel isolated. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like someone has to, as an individual, would have to kind of start something all by themselves. You know, this this wheel has been invented. So it can be replicated. And that's hopefully that's exciting to hear for those who are, who are listening to this and saying, I, I really want to be engaged in this, but I'm in, you know, XYZ location, um, you know, reach out to us. We'd love to make those connections. That's that's incredible. And I think it's mm-hmm. such a good model of what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was I was going to say what's what's really exciting well, so many things, but what's really exciting for me in this is in the culture today, the church doesn't always have the greatest reputation. Um, And so this is a very tangible way for us as the church um, to really enter into places where the traditionally the church, and maybe I'm overstating this, but traditionally the church hasn't always been the best at entering into these messy situations with families in crisis, dealing with, you know, whether it's addiction issues or different things like that, entering in and really coming alongside families to help them work through this. And this is truly, and, and I see this on a daily basis as we talk with the families that that we that we work with. There's almost a, a bit of a shock and awe, like, so this is the church? These are these are churches that are doing this? They say, yeah, these are just, vol- they're volunteers. They don't get paid to do this. No, these are, these are people who we follow Jesus and, and we, we believe that Jesus calls us to love our neighbor and care for our neighbor and walk alongside our neighbor who's, who's in trouble, whether, whether they're family or whether we don't know them, we're called to love people. And it's been an amazing thing, I think, within some of the communities of within some of the populations of of people that we work with. It's a great way for the church uh, to be made new in their eyes, uh, to really actually be the church that Jesus called us to be. And Mm -hmm. that's it's an incredible thing. I love being a part of that, too. Uh, It sounds silly, maybe, to say to rebrand the church, um, go back to who God has called us to be as the church and caring for uh, families in crisis. Well, that's the goal, right? Like we, at the end of the day, um, we don't, we don't see it as a win when a family says, Hey, Lifeline did a really good job of helping us. What, what the win is, is when, when they say, Hey, that church over there and those those people in that church that 
love Jesus and follow Jesus wrapped around and helped us and and did things to, you know, to pour into our lives. That's that's the win. And and so. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's and that's what that's what the Upstream Collective is about. That's what mm-hmm. Harbor Families is about. That's what all of the things that we do in you know, church-based programs and and trying to do things to come alongside the church. Um, we're here to to bring the training and the help and the structure to help a church to succeed. Because I, I think, you know, Brent, you bring up an interesting point that no, maybe we haven't been great at that. <laughs> and and maybe that's been a failing of the church. But I think sometimes it's it's because it's not because churches don't have a heart to want to do something. It's they don't know how. And and Absolutely. sometimes sometimes it's because they've stepped into some of those situations and they found themselves ill-equipped and and they've not done well. And so they've backed off and said, hey, we're not going to ever do that again. And and what we're trying to do is to 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 bring, you know, tools and a structure and training and support for the church in a way that really helps a church to be able to be set up to succeed um, in this area. And, and so, you know, hear us as we say, um, we just want to help. And, and, but we think we can help in ways that will change your community, change the lives of people in your community, but ultimately will, will cause those people to say, you know, the church is the one that helped me and and they're going to have a view of Jesus that's different because right. of the because of the people that follow Jesus that right. are in their lives living right? out well we were just talking about that yesterday in our team meeting like living out the gospel that's what this is absolutely mm-hmm. yeah well and my hope my hope in doing this is As the South Dakota program manager, my hope is we can encourage, equip and empower the churches across the state of South Dakota to the point where Lifeline doesn't need a South Dakota program manager because the churches, the churches are fully equipped and they are deeply involved in their community. And they've just picked up this mantle and and we have provided them the 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 encouragement, the tools, the experience, the support to be able to just continue continue this even if it's no longer a lifeline tagged harbor families this, this is just the church right? That's right and that's if if we do this right uh i think we work ourselves out of this role and we get to step into another area of need right. in this community to equip and empower churches to do something else great for for the world around us well and i'll i'll let folks in on the big you know, Harry audacious goal is we we believe that the church can transform child welfare in the U.S. That we can we can remake child welfare, and and a big part of the key to that is the church getting involved upstream and you know beginning to do these things in a way that that keeps kids and families from ever being engaged in the system in the first place, and so. Maybe the maybe the right way to kind of close out our time is we've talked, you know, kind of at the meta level about the program and we've talked, you know, on the 
church level about how a church implements it, but let's talk about the product of it. Um, surely y'all have some good stories of some families and and some people that are that have that are have been transformed as a result of an interaction with the church. And so, uh, yeah, Brent. Yeah, tell us about a, somebody in South one, Dakota. A, a, a text I got just yesterday kind of is the last part of this story, but I'm going to start at the front end. That we had a we had a mom come to us who, um, single mom with a three month old baby, uh, and she wanted to be the best mom she could be, and she realized she was struggling with some substance abuse, and so she wanted to be able to get herself into um, a, a rehab program so she could get herself healthy. And so she found us and as Katie and I went to her and we're doing all the, you know, introductory stuff and all the paperwork as she's filling out some of her information on, on the form, she looks up at us and she goes, so you guys just do this to help people get back on their feet again. And we got to look at her and say, absolutely. We, we realize how fortunate we are when we're raising our children, we've had family, we've had friends that were safe places who we knew if we gave them our children for a short period of time, our, our kids would be okay. They would be safe. They would be healthy. And we realize how fortunate we are. And we realize that lots of people don't have that. And so we get to be that for you. We get to be your family who can support you in this. And so fast forward, you know, we hosted her three-month-old little boy for about six weeks as she got herself uh, through her rehabilitation. And all the while, this host family was was taking her little son to church, and the church was loving on this little boy. And so I met with this host family after afterwards. I was like, well, can we invite her to, can we invite her to church? Like, well, absolutely you can. And so they they invited her to church. And just this last Sunday, they said, she and her little boy came to church and this is a woman that admitted she didn't have safe friends. Um, she didn't have good role models, um, a good support, a good healthy support system. And so when she got out of um, her rehabilitation, she's very lonely because she, the friends around her, were ones that were dragging her back into that old life. And so I just got a text uh, yesterday from the host family saying we, we brought her to church and the church family was so excited to see the little boy again. And they were all coming up and asking how he was doing. And they said to just see the look on this mom's face and the, and the joy and the support that she felt. And so afterwards, when they, when they brought her and her son home, they said, well, what do you think? Would you like to, would you like to come back with us? And she said, or her response was something to the effect of, it felt really good to get out and meet people who love me and support me. And I would love to come back. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's a, that's the beginning in the realizing what Harbor families is able to do. And then through that, connecting her with a community where she feels loved and supported and nurtured. And she knows they cared for her son. And, and that's the church surrounding somebody who's, who's lonely and to some degree hopeless. 
and providing the hope that that only Christ offers us. Right. And so that was that's just one like that is mm -hmm. the crazy thing. That is the incredible privilege of being in this role. That's just one of the stories. And there's so many of those. But that was that was the one that I got the text yesterday. And of course, I'm, you know, hollering the text down the hallway so Chuck and Katie can hear. And, you know, that's a, just a celebration that that's that's the church, right? That's who God has invited us to be with him and bringing hope and, and joy and, uh, and some really dark places. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. What a, what a, what a fantastic story. And, um, and what a great example of, mm -hmm. of when, you know, when people step out and do the things that are, that are within our ability and, and within our, you know, within our sphere of influence to do, uh, doing those little things and and all of them adding up can can make a huge difference in the life of a you know in in the life of a family, but ultimately in the life lives of of an entire community and uh, and we do that not just with you know good helping practices or good open homes or those sorts of things we do it ultimately because because we bear, we bear the the message of the gospel. And right. and we have we have true, you know, true hope and true healing for people in, you know, in Jesus. And and so, man, thanks, y'all, um, for coming and sharing all of this. And um, we're going to do it again. <laughs> and we're going to keep talking about this. Right. <laughs> we're going to keep banging the drum. That's right. Um, and and, you know, Brent, you said it, we're going to we're going to put your information in the show notes and we're going to point people toward you um, because we we want to we want to see the opportunity for local churches to to be able to have this kind of relationship with families and and ultimately to be able to, you know, to be um, to be family to them, because that's. That's ultimately who we've been called to be. And so we're really thankful that you have chosen again to join us for the Defender podcast. Um, we counted a privilege to have this little family that we have online and and through the things that we do through the podcast and the website. And 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 so um, if you've heard something today that, you know, you feel like we can help or you can benefit from you can find us at at our website lifelinechild.org and just hit the contact us button there and and we would be thrilled to um, to respond to you or check out the show notes for information about harbor families and other ways that you can get engaged uh, but until we gather back here again next week um, we pray that the lord will lead you into ways uh, to put the gospel on display and to care for vulnerable children and vulnerable families in your community and maybe even somewhere um, else in the world. And so thanks for listening um, and, and we'll, we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. 
follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.